You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host, Sean Eubanks. Hello and welcome to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, and on our show today, we have... Strainwise Consulting CEO and founder Aaron Phillips, founding, leading, and then eventually turning massive profits in a publicly traded company is something very few accomplish in their lifetime. This is your chance to peek inside the mind of a CEO of a publicly traded marijuana industry company. Strainwise Consulting CEO Aaron Phillips dared to take the risk, challenge the status quo, set the standard, and work to find success in a fast-moving and controversial industry. Aaron is recognized as having consulted on and obtained the first recreational cannabis license in the world for one of our clients, the Annie's, which is a strain-wise branded dispensary in Central City, Colorado. She has led the renegade and outlaw industry into a reputable business model, which is both sustainable as well as mainstream. By accomplishing this daunting task, she has become the visionary in the cannabis space. With a rare combination of 13 years' experience in the mortgage industry as a business owner, Aaron has become an expert in startups, leadership, and what it takes to succeed in the cannabis space. Aaron brings years of branding, retail sales experience, advertising, marketing, and operational guidance to those seeking to establish, expand, or rehabilitate their cannabis businesses. As a CEO of Streamwise Consulting, Aaron is committed to growing the company and the cannabis industry through powerful and successful client interactions robust education, thereby continuing to positively disrupt the growing marijuana business world. Along with her position as a mother and stepmother of four children, her additional experiences include her diverse background of charity and nonprofit work, along with her volunteer work with several large Down syndrome organizations, hospitals, and national sports groups. She's also been featured on Squawk Box, which I hope to get into that with her, um, and uh, at various speaking conferences as a, both a moderator and a speaker, Cannabis World Com- Congress, NCIA, New West Summit, Southwest Cannabis Conference at Expo, and many others. Welcome to the show, Aaron Phillips. Thank you, Sean. Sure. So um, you are, take us to the very beginning. It's 2009 and you're not in the cannabis business, how did you get started? 
So my husband and I worked in real estate and mortgage, and he had a client that came to him and said, can you help me find a space in Denver? And he said, sure, what do you need it for? He said, I want to grow and sell pot. And kind of thought he was a little bit crazy, had no idea what this whole thing was about. I was very unfamiliar with the programs that were, you know, being voted on. And quite frankly, I probably voted no, because I really wasn't even sure what I was voting on. Mm-hmm. Um, so we found him a building uh, in Denver. Uh, it's 5,000 square foot um, building in probably one of the worst parts of Denver you could ever be in. Mm-hmm. Um, but we helped him with business plan and basically getting the thing ready uh, for his new enterprise. And um, when House Bill 1284 came down, um, one of the things that they had changed in House Bill 1284 was um, that you, if you had a drug felony, you could never be an owner. And this particular client had a drug felony 27 years ago, and therefore he was immediately excluded from being an owner. So he came to us and said, hey, applications are due in two weeks. Uh, sorry, guys, I'm out. <laughs> I, I can't can't do this. Thanks for all your hard work. And we said, you know what? Um, why don't we just buy you out? So we um, bought him out and decided we were going to treat it like a fix and flip, basically build up the business and then sell it. Um, and at that point in time, I told my husband, I said, you know, I think you're nuts. Um, I will support you, but you look better in orange than I do. So you are on your own and have fun. Uh, About six months into it, I realized that that was not the appropriate approach. He was struggling um, making sales and running the grow because at that point in time, everything had to be vertically integrated. So we had uh, the manufacturing, the cultivation, as well as the retail. And it was just very difficult for one person to try to handle all of that. Um, So I came into the picture to help out on the retail side and really get that going so he could focus on the cultivation and the manufacturing. And that's that's the way you started. And so you, that's a pretty wild swing. You go from, all right, look, we're going to fix and flip this. This is going to be something that's temporary. Um, Maybe we don't have to explain to the kids that we're in the marijuana business, right? All those things as a mother you're going through and and, and that realization. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're not a cannabis consumer. Um, You know, you're thinking, okay, let's just kind of um, have this be a little bit of an adventure. We'll see how it goes and we'll sell it off quickly. Then you shift into, I mean, you obviously go, and this is a meteoric rise. We're going from zero to nine stores and, and just uh, it feels like no time flat. Right. Um, what happened? Did you make a shift and decide, okay, if we're in this, we're going to do it to the fullest. And now you're one of the top five marijuana companies in Colorado. So how do you, uh, what happened? What made the shift to, okay, we're going to go full bore? So we still had the idea that we would sell this off. We were treating it as a fix and flip. And about 18 months in, after we had tried to sell it numerous times, um, at that point in time, we were trying to sell to the mafia, the cartels, every drug dealer um, from their garage. I mean, there was just no one to sell it to. We sat down and had a conversation and said, listen, we kind of have two choices. We can either keep this one store and realize that we may or may not ever be able to sell it. um, And we just need to hold tight and wait for the industry to mature. Or this is our competition who we're trying to sell to and none of them have any business acumen. So we can really blow this thing up and we can just create a brand and move forward. And that's what we did. So in 2012, we went from one store Uh, very quickly to five and then further that on to nine 
Um, and our grow went from 4,000 square feet up to about 130,000 square feet in that point of time. And so you also at this time somehow developed your nonprofit Consume Intelligently, which is a, which is an educational platform for the consumer, a nonprofit effort. I mean, we t- touched on your philanthropy and, and, and what you do in the community in Colorado. Um, but what made you decide, all right, I need to educate the consumer at the same time that I'm taking on all of this brand new these new business ventures? You know, again, I think it was a niche that we saw that hadn't been filled. So at that point in time in Colorado, there were very few regulations for um, the edibles and concentrates. And Mm -hmm. so you had edibles that were not tested, things like that. And so, you know, you would have products where someone would come and eat a brownie and then say that did absolutely nothing to me. And so then they'd eat, you know, five more and then they would be just completely messed up. And so we decided that we really needed to come out with an educational platform to explain to the consumer how to consume and to make sure to consume intelligently. Um, And in addition to that, that was also keeping it away from children. So making sure that, you know, as recreational came about in 2014, that this was not in the hands of children. Yeah, you see in Colorado, you'll see some billboards in there. Uh, their attempt uh, for sure is to educate the consumer on the dangers, but sometimes you'll see it lumped in with alcohol and cigarettes. And it's kind of, you know, what you did that I admire is essentially you said, look, this is cannabis by itself. Let's just look at cannabis by itself. Um, it is its own unique drug. It is medicine to to some for sure. It's recreational use to others. Um, but you focused on that. And I think that you offered the community some clarity on it versus you know, hey, just a general PSA that says, hey, you know, watch out for alcohol, weed, and tobacco. Right. And and that's very true. I mean, it marijuana is very different um, from alcohol in the sense that it affects everyone very drastically different. And what mm-hmm. can work for some person, you know, a 10 milligram edible can be just fine for one person and really knock someone you know, on their butt for someone else. And so it's really about understanding the telltale signs of, of how to consume, the right way to consume to get the desired effect. Absolutely. And it's interesting because you you create the nonprofit model there and then you're opening all these stores and everything's sort of the Wild West. You have the marijuana enforcement division that's sort of learning as they go, doing a good job on some things, but absolutely needing improvement on others. So you're contributing to the development of the program. You're one of the top companies, you know, right away when you start opening those stores, you're 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 a, you're a known entity in Colorado. Um, but you're, you know, you're wearing all these hats and that's what I love and respect about you is you're a pioneer in the industry and you didn't just stop and say, look, I'm all about making money for myself. I just want to have as many stores as I can. You identified a need to educate the consumer and then you're working with the marijuana enforcement division on helping educate them on, uh, and that's a feedback loop that a lot of people are doing at that time. But I think people underestimate the fact they look at, okay, Colorado came online in 96. They were the first. But Colorado was really where it was all happening and all the er experimentation was taking place. Oh, for sure. Um, Because Colorado was really one of the first to institute rules and regulations for commercial um, use of cannabis. So that was Mm -hmm. the commercial dispensaries um, and retail stores as well as commercial grows. So a lot of places come online and at first they had just sort of the caregiver model, which you know, works out very well, but you can't, under the caregiver model, you can't sell it commercially. And so I think that's what set Colorado apart is that they really 
decided to go after that that business model with the commercial aspect. Well, and you still have, you know, to bring it full circle all the way home to where you started. I mean, uh, rolling joints at night and trying to sell, the re- you know, the retail. You tell some funny <laughs> stories about how, you know, you're trying, you know, you hope your kids don't walk through the living room because you're basically getting product ready to sell the next day. Um, but you go from that all the way through to the fact that now you still have your some of your original patients texting you saying, hey, I'm going to go pick up an order. And they don't yet know the scope and the expansion of StrainWise and the brand and how successful you are. Um, but you're still available as a caregiver or, uh, to them. And it reminds you of the one-on-one, like what you got in this industry for that absolutely helps people. It's medicine for some, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's kind of the exciting for me is that, you know, seven years later, I, I do still have those people that have my cell phone number that call me and say, hey, what, what do you have new in the stores? I'm, I'm having trouble sleeping. What do you recommend? And, and that's kind of fun for me because that's exactly where we started. And it shows that some things just don't change. So it doesn't matter that I'm the president and CEO of a publicly traded company. I will still answer that question and make the recommendation to the person who needs it. Excellent. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Erin Phillips, who's the CEO and founder of Strainwise Consulting. During the break, check out her website at www.strainwiseconsulting.com. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC, symbol MCIG. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping for essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Cannabis concentrates have been around for hundreds of centuries. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, and we have been talking to Aaron Phillips, who is the CEO and founder of StrainWise Consulting. Welcome back, Aaron. Thank you. So we ended the last block kind of talking about the origins of StrainWise, how you got started, how you grew so quickly to one of the top five marijuana companies in the state of Colorado, leading the nation in many ways. We talked about your educational nonprofit platform. Now, you have had 
almost unparalleled success writing applications in the industry. Nearly 100% success rate, more than 200 applications written. You have the retail stores, you have the nonprofit side, then you decide to go into consulting. When did you make that decision and and why did you believe that was right, a next step for StrainWise's expansion in both what the industry needed? So the vision of StrainWise has basically always been to create a national footprint of branded locations. Um, And we realized that one way to do that is through uh, the consulting arm. Um, But in order to do that through the consulting arm, you, you have to have those licensees. And as more and more states came online, we realized that there was a need for people to gain licenses. And with our experience, obviously, I, I feel like we have uh, the right things in place that we could write those applications. Um, we have the SOPs, we have everything ready to go. So why not do that? And that's actually been a great foot in the door uh, for us to gain those branded locations um, through those consulting clients. Well, and it sounds like a perfect model because you're helping people get in the industry. They come to you and say, I need to get in the industry, Aaron, what do I do? And your response is, well, we need to write an application. We've got to get a license for you first. No license, you're not in business. But then I think one of the reasons why you're probably so successful is you create a path for them. Look, you can have your own store. We'll take you through all of the steps. Of course, there's application. You need to get a license. But design and build out and long-term operations, it seems like they're, they're approaching you with what they might see as a franchise model, which is literally just a a licensing model. Um, But it's a gift to them because now they go, all right, I can see the path all the way through to open up a store. Right. And, you know, one thing that makes us very different from our competition is that I would love to give all the knowledge that I've gained to anyone and everyone who will take it. And so that's how we approach our consulting. Um, because their success is my success. So if I can help someone get a license and then open their store, whether it's branded strainwise or not, that's a success for me because I just want to expand the industry and really legitimize the industry. And the best way to do that is to hand my knowledge out to anyone who wants to listen. Yeah, I mean, and you stand uh, alone or uh, certainly among the top few in the industry because you, you see most common a consulting model that's the opposite of that. It says, listen, Pay us a lot of money up front and we'll write the application for you. And then right. and then once we write it, sort of like an attorney that goes to trial, like, hey, pay us up front. We're going to go to the jury. Best of luck to everyone kind of thing. Whereas what you do at Streamwise Consulting is, look, we're going to write the application for you. But we're we're your long term goal is to get a, a long term consulting contract or a store. So that means whether the, the, the potential client realizes it or not that you're actually with them every step of the way and you actually want them to win their license as bad as they do. Absolutely, because we want to continue that journey with them. So mm-hmm. part of our um, proprietary consulting platform called Square One, it has three phases. And the first phase mm-hmm. is that application phase. The second phase is um, basically preparing them for launch. So doing their design and build out of their facility, making sure they have all of their SOPs, creating a brand for them, helping them with their market analysis and their financials, and then opening the doors. And then finally, guiding them through as they have any questions along the way. So advisory services, uh, helping them out to manage and operate their their day-to-day operations. Well, and one of the things I, I think also makes you so successful is you meet the client where they're at. So 
a client can come to you and go, I have a dispensary. For some reason, it's not working. Maybe I'm across the country and I'm not really minding that business well. I mean, everybody knows cannabis is extremely profitable, but you have to know what you're doing. And so they may call you and say, look, I just want help with uh, compliance or I just need some marketing and branding help. But one of the things is you meet them wherever they're at. You don't say, look, this is our platform. You must fit in it. You must do one, two and three. You simply jump in as a true consultant. And I think as an operator with operational experience, you can jump in at any level and start helping a client and go, hey, here's where we need to start. And here's where, you know, your success lies. And that's actually the most fun for me is that part to go in and see what other people are doing. And it becomes obvious to me very quickly what they're doing wrong. And I don't know if that's just based on my experience or just this fantastic talent that I have, but I can kind of look at it and say, wow, okay, there's just two small things that we could change that will really make you going from non-profitable to profitable. Well, and I think another thing you do is is when someone is getting in this industry, they're a solopreneur, right? They don't, may not have a lot of business experience, um, but when they come in, they're excited. They're, the passion is not lacking for this industry. Uh, the business acumen right. maybe, but but their enthusiasm for it, and you allow them to open up a Strainwise store, but call it a name that fits them and fits their demographic, and so they don't completely lose their autonomy, their identity, but they're partnered and sort of powered or backed by Strainwise. Absolutely. And that's actually part of our our branding uh, model and our marketing plan is that we realized that we did not want to have the Walmart of weed, so to speak. So we didn't want to have every location look exactly the same and have the same price point and carry the same products because we realize that every demographic is different. And what sells in one part of Colorado is not going to sell in another part of Colorado and is certainly not going to sell in Maryland or California. And so it's important to make sure that every store has their own brand identity and it can be powered by StrainWise so that it creates consumer confidence um, in the marketplace with the brand, but every location needs to have their own identity. I think it's very, very important. You know, and I think for people listening, they may be surprised to hear, wait a minute, inside of Colorado or inside the Denver metro area, there are different demographics and totally different markets existing. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So expect that in other states. You know, don't think, okay, this is a West Coast idea that we're going to roll out and it's going to work top to bottom or, or even state to state. Absolutely, because, you know, what works in one state definitely isn't going to work in another state. And I think that that's been proven in other industries. Um, A good example of that is the fashion industry. Things kind of roll from East Coast to West Coast and West Coast to East Coast. So, you know, something that you wear in California, you wouldn't be caught dead in Colorado. Well, and I want to you're expanding across the country. Let's just say that. Yes. Okay. And we don't have any announcements yet. You're a publicly traded company. You have to follow specific guidelines to do that with stock price and things like correct. that. Um, I, it's correct to say, wouldn't you agree that this is the most exciting time in StrainWise's history? Absolutely. You know, I look back on it and I think it was super exciting when we started StrainWise in 2012. And then it was even more exciting when Recreational hit in 2014. And I thought, here's the the next big thing that StrainWise has. And actually moving into 2018, I think I'm more excited about the direction of StrainWise right now than I have been since the beginning. And so a, a perfect 2ighteen will look like probably um, stores opening right across Absolutely. the country uh, with clients. As we talked about, you you have you know in every legal state you're you're in. You're writing applications in every state that has a program. So there's a potential to have a strain wise store there or 
you just backing and consulting on that. But what ultimately happens is a nationwide leverageable brand uh, with efficiencies and contracts and things that can happen when ultimately, whether it's 10 years, 20 years or whenever it happens, if federal legalization happens, you're in a position to serve your stores at a, at a level that people with just one or two or three stores wouldn't ever be able to do. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the visions in 2018 are not just for the stores. So we have um, new merchandise lines coming out. We have a new fashion house. We have Serena's University. That's uh, an online learning platform. So we have all kinds of things that are happening in 2018, not just the new stores. So I'm very excited for the, the pivots that we're taking within the brand. Okay. And so you have, I was, I was so glad you brought up fashion because I didn't know, because uh, it's their announcements, right? And so it, what's, what's, what's fascinating and sitting and talking with you, Aaron, is understanding that this is a, this is a big beast that you run. It is, it is a lot of, um, in addition to federal oversight that, that, the, that the cannabis industry experiences like no other industry in the history, um, maybe Al Capone could relate, maybe somebody uh, <laughs> right at that time. If you were bootlegging alcohol, maybe you could relate, right? Have some empathy. <laughs> right. But outside of that, people think, oh, it's just another company and do that. But you have the publicly traded company. Um, you follow that. So um, the, the fashion side of things itself could be an unbelievable windfall for you. Uh, it appears to be trending that way with some of the, the sneak peeks that we've gotten internally on what's happening there. Um, how excited are you about the apparel, apparel rollout? And by the way, Aaron, what brought that on? What made you decide, okay, we're ready to go with our own apparel line? You know, it's all about keeping the brand in front of the consumer in different ways. And so with our um, you know, merchandise, we've created basically a lifestyle collection. So we have a lifestyle collection that's going to be better for, you know, the cannabis users or, you know, people that really want to show showcase cannabis on a daily basis. But we also have more of a high fashion brand um, for everyone that is a cannabis user, but doesn't want everyone to know. So for those hockey moms out there, um, people like that, it's very low key. And it's, it's very nice, very beautiful. I love it. And we decided to make this leap into merchandise um, because we saw a niche, again, that wasn't being filled. So there isn't anyone out there right now that really is doing what StrainWise is doing. Okay. And so you were also kind of shifting gears here. You were a consultant to the very first Native American tribe selling cannabis. Um, quite a roller coaster, a, a success story, no doubt. Um, learning on both sides, right, with yes. uh, Native American tribes and their history with the gaming industry and the assumptions and the and the and the frankly limited thinking that, that might come from that experience. Um, next thing you know, they're catapulted into uh, based on tax breaks and things that they have. It's very lucrative for them to cultivate cannabis and lucrative for consultants to help and and partner that way. Um, what's your overarching takeaway from being the first cannabis consultant to the first vertically integrated tribe in the United States? You know, it's a very different animal. So, you know, I, I sort of thought it's going to be just like any other consulting client. It may have, you know, their own intricacies as every client does. Um, but this was very different. So this was really my first experience with government to government relations, um, it's very interesting to have a seat at the table with the Department of Justice talking about cannabis. That doesn't happen very often, and I'm not sure that that would happen in any other place other than with the Native American tribe. Um, and 
they have a real opportunity. You know, it depends on how they take advantage of it. Um, but the Native American tribe uh, cannabis model is a good one. If you were in their shoes, would you move faster? Uh, you know, I think I would. In certain markets, I absolutely would move faster um, because as the market matures, their opportunity diminishes um, over time. So for them to be first to market is, is a big deal. Well, and you started speaking and traveling and going to specific Native Native Nations events and things like that years ago and getting in that space and, and, and building credibility uh, for, for another segment. Um, and then you've designed this unbelievably state-of-the-art greenhouse that's just just fit for production. Um, what would you? What's your greatest hope for for the Native American tribes? Is it that they uh, bridge the trust gap, or that they um, get everything in line financially and move? I mean, they have a tremendous opportunity, but it, it seems like it's sort of getting lost. You know, I really feel like it needs to be that they that they separate cannabis from gaming. So okay. I think a lot of things that happened in gaming um, caused a lot of issues amongst the tribes. So there was a lot of things with consultants that came in uh, in the gaming industry and really kind of soured the Native American tribes, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And I think that the same thing could happen again in cannabis, but I think as long as they're careful, they really just need to look at it differently and not compare it to how they were treated with gaming. Gotcha. Okay, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be rejoined by Erin Phillips, who's the CEO and founder of Strainwise Consulting. During the break, check out her website at strainwiseconsulting.com. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back 
with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, and we have been talking to Aaron Phillips, who's a CEO and founder of Strainwise Consulting. So our last segment here, Aaron, I kind of want to do some rapid fire stuff with you and have some fun. And and, and because you're an inspiration to anyone wanting to get in the business, um, I don't want to represent your meteoric rise in the industry that that's typical or standard. There was some luck involved there. Um, your commitment to the industry, people are often shocked that you've been in the business since 2009. They think you just, you know, just popped up or maybe in 2014, right? It's a, right. it's a long, long slog and it's been uh, an adventure for you. Okay. So Strainwise University is, in addition to all the other things you've done, the nonprofit side of things, um, the consulting arm, now Strainwise University is set up to edu- educate the consumer. Who should be looking for educational requirements at Strainwise University and what might be the end result of, of them going to your platform and learning? You know, I think that Strainwise University is a good platform for anyone. Strainwise University um, basically hits all levels. So anyone who's looking to get into the industry should uh, take classes there. Entrepreneurs wanting to start out should take classes. People that just want to know about the industry should take classes. So we basically have platforms set up for just about anyone and everyone uh, to participate in. Okay. And it's affordable. It's going to be very affordable. So it's Absolutely. great for people. They don't have to buy a business plan or, or start trying to raise capital right now. They can educate themselves. Um, one of the things that I hear you advise millennials on is just get started. You know, you've got to take a step forward, meaning, you know, have some humility and go in and be a bud tender. It's not your last job, but if you're trying to learn your way through this industry, that's a good start. That's right. And I think that, you know, everybody needs to start somewhere. And, uh, you know, if you need to start it as a butt tender or a trimmer, that's how a lot of our, you know, corporate employees started was on the bottom. And I think that that's, you know, that's where I started. I didn't know anything about the cannabis industry. And so I had to learn that from the ground up. And I think that that's the best way to learn. Okay, and diversity is a hot topic across the country, everywhere. Um, the cannabis industry is leading all other industries in uh, female executives uh, from from different levels. Some of the testing facilities are 65% exec board. Um, there's a real um, call and commitment to diversity. Um, it's still not perfect. What would you like to see change as far as how women are treated, women CEOs and leaders in industry are treated uh, and received in the cannabis industry? You know, I think that Um, that's changing quite a bit. And what I'm beginning to see is that as more and more of these companies get acquired by large companies, the female CEOs are being replaced with males. And what I would really like to see is those females to stay in those positions and maintain that even after acquisition. Would you like to see more more female founders? In other words, you start the company, you own the company, and you only sell it when it makes sense for you as a perfect exit strategy. Um, but do you, do, would you like to see them secure themselves and insure themselves by starting their own companies? Well, I think that that's how a lot of the, the female CEOs started is they did start the company. I, th- mm-hmm. I think what's happening, though, is that as they're selling out, instead of carving out the spot for themselves to remain at some portion of the company, they're just, you know, walking away. And what I'd really like to see is for them to maintain some foothold in that company that they created and they built. Okay. And lessons learned from you. So uh, what is on the on the grow side and the retail side when you're first opening up the stores, what's the number, what's the most costly mistake that you made? 
Uh, me personally, not watering the plants. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you details. Know, it's all details. As silly as that is, uh, you need to water the plants. Uh, right. Um, it's kind of a, a joke mm-hmm. amongst our family because, you know, I blew $5,000 down the toilet because I killed some plants. So, right. um, you know, on the cultivation side, it's really paying attention to what you're doing, I guess, is the bottom line. Because even though it is, you know, a plant... At the same time, it is a plant. So there's things right. that you need to do and make sure that you can maintain that. Um, on the retail side, it's really listening to the consumer and trying to figure out what they're wanting and making sure that um, you're not following typical stereotypes, that there's so many things coming out every single day, new products, that you're not jumping on these bandwagons and bringing in everything that's just fad related. But at the same time, you're not only selling marijuana that you can smoke. So I think it's listening to all types of demographics and getting all those products that they want in the store. And what would you like to see the industry in Colorado do? It's a mature industry. There are some people, uh, very influential folks in the industry that are saying, look, we don't touch Colorado. It's too competitive. I'm very proud of our capitalist nature and the fact that the consumer wins with a $70 ounce every now and then and things like that. It's, it's, this competition has been great to drive down prices, which are beneficial to the consumer. But what would you like to see as a community? You've been here since day one. What, what would you see like to change or would you see people like to come together in Colorado more or anything change at all? You know, the one thing that I see in Colorado is that there's still really stiff competition and a lot of the license holders and business owners have not come together as a as a cannabis community. And I think that that's really what needs to happen is that we need to put aside some of our differences and really come together to, you know, legitimize this industry even further. Wonderful. Well, listen, it's been great having you on the show. Uh, I think our listeners who may have heard of you, may have heard you speak before or, you know, not heard of Streamwise Consulting for some odd reason. I mean, it's just obvious that you grew from zero to nine stores so quickly. You took the company public. You rolled out a nonprofit sector and consume intelligently. You now have a media arm where you're giving out free content with webinars and, and sponsoring this podcast and making this possible to bring on entrepreneurs and and for the industry. So I want to thank you personally for everything that you're doing. I want to congratulate you on your success. And I hope that people continue to follow you and look to you for advice on the many facets from nonprofit all the way through apparel. If it's been done in this industry, Aaron, you've done it. Well, thank you, Sean. I I appreciate that. And I'm so excited about what we have uh, coming down the pipeline. And I can't wait for 2018. Great. And for those of you, we are going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to have Jay Kotzker, who is an attorney with Strainwise Consulting. He's going to do um, the five quick hits for this week. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option? At Saturn Ranch, we produce all-natural CBD topicals and THC-infused edibles. Premium lab-tested hemp-derived CBD is the most important ingredient in our products. From topical bombs, salt scrubs, bath-soaking salts to tinctures and edibles, you're sure to find something to help. Family-owned and operated, we at Saturn Ranch believe in and use our products daily. Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. SaturnRanch.com 
GrainWise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Boober vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Boober vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Boober way. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks. And now we have Jay Kosker, who is an attorney and general counsel for Streamwise Consulting with a quick five for the week. How are you, Jay? I'm doing great, Sean. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for having having us coming back. We talked about alcohol and so many things, uh, political, financial, and otherwise. So what's the top five for this week? A couple of things. Last time we spoke, we were looking at the spending bill. Wanted to make sure that the Rohrbacher-Blumenauer Amendment, which protects states from government intervention, using government funds to, to go after medical businesses, um, wanted to make sure that that extension carried through the spending bill. Um, it looks like Congress continues to kind of kick the can down the road. Um, we've been able to buy ourselves a little bit of time until January 19th until um, the, the, the previous spending bill now will expire. So we do have uh, continued coverage until January 19th. So are we hoping for a continuing resolution on the 19th or when are we out of the woods here? Well, ideally, what, what will happen is by the 19th and, you know, this will be the third third extension already. So there's no guarantee that they don't just um, kick it down the road another couple of weeks. But um, what ideally we will find is that is that they will come to an agreement and pass a, a long term spending bill that will include um, provisions that protect marijuana businesses. Well, and it seems like with midterms coming up, right, a lot of pressure from both sides to try to prove themselves to voters, right, because they're going to be judged. Uh, there's talk of DACA and some other legislation that they want to do on a bar bipartisan way. So hopefully this thing will end sometime in January. Hope so. Hope so. And the, the, the nice thing is that, you know, the there's been quite a cannabis caucus that's been built in Washington um, and it's bipartisan. I mean, there's 29 states now that have some sort of a medical uh, or regulated program. Uh, obviously, they're to varying degrees, but that that's a lot of representatives, a lot of congressmen that have um, constituents that are vested in the industry. What else? So um, we're uh, focusing a little bit on, on California. That's been yep. the buzz around the industry. Um, California just um, about 10 days ago, two weeks ago, uh, released a cannabis portal uh, called Cannafile Biz or Cannabis File. Um, it's a, basically a one-stop shop um, at the government, state government level for people looking to get into the cannabis business to uh, form their entity, determine what sort of licenses they need on the state level, whether it's manufacturing, distribution, retail, uh, cultivation, etc. Um, file those documents, uh, upload documents to that site. Uh, and also uh, something interesting is it will allow them to register trademarks in California. Uh, this is new. Um, previously, California um, 
adhere to the the Federal Lanham Act, which is the the trademark act on the federal level for um, its its trademark policies. And under the Lanham Act, you have to be do, engaging in lawful um, commercial commerce, commercial business. And mm-hmm. because cannabis is illegal at the federal level, uh, you can't get a you can't get a federal trademark for you know things that touch the plant on the federal level. And California adhered to that as well. With them opening um, their state program, obviously things are, are going to change very rapidly in the state of California, and they've recognized that with that comes the need to protect businesses' brands uh, in the state as well. And so they have now loosened those restrictions, and they will allow businesses uh, that are engaging in commerce in the state of California on the cannabis space to register those trademarks, and that will come into effect January 1st. And what do you see being registered first, just businesses, or do you see them going strain side? Or Yeah, I don't think you'll see a lot of people trying to register tr- strains. You might at first, just because there's uh, people don't understand exactly what it is that they're, they're trying to register. Um, the important thing to remember is that uh, in California, as it is in most other states, when you're when you're registering a trademark at the state level, you have to actually be engaging in lawful commerce in that state. So everybody who's out there who's still waiting on local approval, still waiting on their state applications to, to be processed, will have to wait to file those trademarks because they're not actually engaging in lawful commerce yet. So there's a little bit of a you know a nuance there. But I think what you'll see is you'll see people trying to protect their their brands, whether it's the brand of the flower that they produce, whether it's the brand of the the edibles or the concentrates that they produce. And you're also going to see a lot of, of ancillary services that you know kind of work in the industry and may have been a little bit of fearful um, about trying to get a trademark at the state level just because of you know being in the cannabis industry. You'll see those people able to to protect their brands and businesses as well. Okay, and you're working top to bottom in California. Uh, what I, when I first was reading about the tax situation, I thought, oh my gosh, this isn't uh, this isn't feasible. How are you going to have an average? market price. But I think we can calm people by saying that that's how Colorado does it and it works just fine here. Right. I don't, well, I don't know if it works just fine. I think people <laughs> in the industry would argue that it works just fine, but there is a uh, roadblock. I know they got market rate of product for sure. Do you see any other uh, roadblocks? I know they got the distribution model in California. Uh, it, it's a little bit unnerving when a manufacturer has to collect taxes and pass it on to the distributor, even though they're not, it's not passing through. Um, they seem to have it worked out. Is there anything that you see that's glaring that's like, gosh, that's going to really slow that program? Well, I'm very interested to see how the the distributor license is going to work because that license is going to allow operators to um, take samples for testing, to package, to label, to repackage in some cases. So it's really a a middleman step that we haven't seen in other regulated markets that we'll see on on a very large scale in California. And whether that that works seamlessly is is yet to be seen, but it's adding another layer to the distribution cycle from cultivator to manufacturer to retailer. Now you're gonna throw in a distributor in the middle who, you know, we'll see how that works as far as prices go and and, and ease and efficiency go. Would you go for just a distributor's license, maybe under a micro business umbrella or something along those lines? It's still very lucrative, right? I think any, any license that you get in the state of California, California is going to be lucrative. Mm-hmm. Um, what the margins on something like that are going to be, I think um, only time will tell. Okay. What else do you have? Um, let's see. Last time we spoke, we were we were talking about Denver um, and some of the, the, the ways that the Colorado has been moving forward uh, to kind of push legislation and to push policy on the national level. Mm-hmm. Um, people have been looking very closely at Colorado because it's kind of led the charge here. Uh, what we also see is that the city of Denver 
uh, last year with Initiative 300 also allowed um, social use and social use clubs. Uh, until just two weeks ago, we hadn't seen a, an application filed for a social use club in the city of Denver, but that has just recently come in. So we're excited to see where that goes. How that develops. Well, Jay, thank you so much for joining us. Always uh, enlightening as usual. We get an update on some financial, political, social issues. I think so relevant and I think so helpful to our listeners. Thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right. And thank you all for joining us on this edition of Blunt Business. You can download episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com, BluntBusinessRadio.com, or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and now on The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.